0: Alright, take number fucking four hundred and forty seven, if you have a vagina and absolutely love making money, pushing your limits and shattering every fucking glass ceiling that life tries to offer, we are probably soulmates. My name is Courtney Clark, I'm a mental strategist for powerhouse female entrepreneurs and this is Women Up Top. If you know you've already got the ambition, the drive, and the pulsing desire that sets you apart, then this is the podcast that will speak to your fucking soul to make sure that every single one of your crazy wild dreams becomes your sexy, extraordinary reality. Every week, I'll bring you the guests, thoughts and conversations to help you reach your massive success, find life-changing performance, and build, protect, and live through your fierce, fearless confidence. So ladies, let's get raw, let's get real, and let's get rich. welcome back beautiful brilliant ladies today i am bringing you the expertise of an absolutely phenomenal man that i've had the pleasure and privilege of getting to know over the last couple of years father of three husband and incredibly successful businessman steve holbrook steve is the host of the momentum monday podcast with over 14 years of experience in leadership personal development and public speaking as a three-time nominee for top 40 under 40 it is no surprise that he's been able to provide life-changing guidance and mentorship to over 500 people. Having been diagnosed with Crohn's disease at a young age, Steve learned really early on in his life that mindset and attitude is everything in building an extraordinary life, despite all the challenges. This is a man of real heart, real passion, and straight up brilliance. So I am so excited for all of you to hear today's episode. So, kind of just start off by telling everyone a little bit about yourself and what you do. I know you've been in the game of entrepreneurship for quite a long time. I think I read since you were 23 or something like that. So you've obviously had those years. So kind of just, yeah, tell everyone about, about yourself and and what you do.
1: Yeah, fantastic. So I've been in business since I was 23 years old. So if you would have, if you would have found me 14 years ago, you would have had to come back behind the, in a local restaurant. I was working as a cook. I was I was a head baker. I I baked all the bread, the cheesecakes, the mousses. Yes. And yeah, and I was I was making eleven dollars an hour, and I'd been there for about nine years. I started working in a restaurant when I was fifteen. Oh, I started wow. washing dishes um, at nighttime. I would close up the restaurant. I would go to school during the day. You know, I worked six. Yeah, I work six days a week. But for me, you know, I grew up with a with a chronic illness called Crohn's disease, oh, and. Wow. I've had it since I was two. So I was always the small kid. I, I got picked on a lot, I got bullied a lot. I didn't really feel like I fit in at school. So I was always looking to be a part of something. Like, like for me, you know you, you know how sometimes in your life, people, they underrate you, they write you off. You know those times? Uh, yeah. I felt, like, I felt like that all the time. So when I found this restaurant, I loved the atmosphere, I loved the environment. They gave me a jersey. They basically said, you know, let's get you on the field. Let's get you in the game. And I did that for nine years. So that's, you know, that got me to a certain point. But then when I graduated from university mm-hmm. here in Calgary, Canada, um, you know, I, I learned early on, I handed out hundreds of resumes. I only got a couple calls back. Everybody wanted experience. Yes. And then I started to interview some people that had been doing it, you know, the, you know, the, the job route, 20, 30 years longer. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at how they lived and, and how their family life was and what their balance was and how much money I thought they had saved. And I thought, man, I have to be an entrepreneur. So I, I seeked entrepreneurship. I, I designed my life. I, I wrote down exactly what I wanted my life to look like, mm-hmm. I how I wanted to feel, the smells, everything, the... the, the, the how many kids I wanted to to have and just where the areas that I wanted to, you know, live and do and contribute Mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. And then I needed to find a platform that was going to get me to that life. Right. Yeah. You know, a lot of people said, well, Steve, you like to bake. Why do you open a bakery? And I'd read a book, one of my favorite books called the Mm E-myth. And it talks about the entrepreneurial myth is that you have to get into business to follow your passion. Well, you know, you know, and I know, I mean, depending on the kind of business that you have, most of your time, you know, as an entrepreneur, opening a bakery is spent on employee hiring, firing, marketing, payroll, advertising, and only, only 10% is on the actual passion. So yeah. I needed to find a business that was going to get me to where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, financial services is one of the highest paying industries in North America. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I mean, I didn't even, I, didn't, I barely knew how to spell investment, uh, let alone anything about them. <laughs> but. <laughs> I walked into a meeting, a guy brought me out. He said, look, like we're, we're going to build this company. Um, the opportunity is huge. We could help families, educate people, you know, you could, you know, cause I love helping people. So I, I found my, you know, my, one of my dominant human needs is, is contribution. And I want to, you know, I, I want to, I always want to help people. I also have a love and connection need. So I want to feel like I'm a part of something. Yeah. And I just felt I felt connected to this, this opportunity. And I, I saw, you know, opportunity to give back. And that was 14 years ago.
0: She was, Hey, so you're yeah. really, you're really going, going back to kind of talking about your, your childhood and how you grew up and you're just searching for that, that, that place where you felt like you were part of something. You, you really are the person you're to of taking a, a set of cards that most people, you know, wouldn't know how to win with that and making something, Freaking amazing of that you know I, I i've been following you for so long but i didn't actually know that part of your journey i think that's that's really profound it, it, sh- it shows a lot about like where you began as an entrepreneur to to where you are now which is which is pretty pretty amazing so obviously um let's kind of start off like just with the with the basic things you you've been doing this for years you you know your stuff and then you have you have this fascination with with personal development right in in your journey and I've noticed that and I think that a lot of people who kind of are in the place where they're like all right I need to make something of myself I need to figure out a way to live the kind of life I want to live they don't immediately you know have that light bulb that goes all right you know better start you know working on myself they kind of want to you know go the route of all right let me grind and let me hustle every single day which obviously you and I both know has its place but Talk about why you're so obsessed and so committed to your own development and and why you know that that has been, you know, the shortest route from where you were to where you are now.
1: Oh, that's such a great question. That is such a great question. You know, I think, you know, people ask me, Courtney, they say, you know, was it, was it harder than you thought it was going to be to get to where you're at? And the answer was, yeah, it was, it was harder than I thought it was going to be because I, I, it was hard to anticipate the person that I had to become God. that was going to go accomplish all my goals and dreams. And I started entrepreneurship in 2005 In 2008, I got hooked up with one of my mentors, Ed Milet, who's now one of my best friends in life. Yeah. And he said, Steve, the guy that you are today is not the guy that's going to go and accomplish all your goals and dreams. Mm. And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, you need to grow into your identity. And this is, excuse me, this is where I was introduced to identity. Uh And I started reading a lot of John Maxwell books, you know, talked a lot about the law of the lid and I would never outgrow my lid and I, it clicked, it clicked. And I thought back in my life, I was never the biggest kid. I was never the fastest. I was never the best at closing. I was, I was never the best at anything, but I thought, man, this is something that I can control. Right. I'll never have the biggest biceps, right? Like, like Courtney on, uh, on social media. I mean, man, you, you and your boyfriend, you guys are, you guys are, uh, you guys are amazing. You guys inspire me every day. And I, you know, if I, if I dedicated myself to the fitness, you know, hopefully I, I mean, I, I believe I could achieve that at some point, but you guys have worked so hard on that part. I wanted to go ahead and work that hard, and I know you do too, but I wanted to work on the, the six inches between yes. my ears. Yes. The most important muscle that I was going to develop was going to be the six inches between my ears, and I thought, man, if I can, if I can outwork everybody on the mindset game, mm-hmm. then the room is going to get smaller. The room's going to get smaller. I'm going to go from the big room to the smaller to the smaller, and I'd find myself in a place where very few people would ever get to. Yes.
0: I love that. I love that so much. That's that acknowledgement that you know what? Ninety-one percent of the influence that we have on a day-to-day basis is that part of us. It's that. It's the mind. It's not the the nine percent of the consciousness of what we can see and what we're consciously doing all the time. It's it's the, the influence. That ninety-one percent influence is literally between our two ears, like you said. Like that is the muscle you have to be working because that is where no one else is playing. You know. Okay. So. So many people in the game of entrepreneurship, so many people in the game of just freaking life, you know, going going at their goals, they're, they're not operating from that point. They're not thinking with that, that mentality that if they could get that muscle as their strongest, they're going to be ahead. And I think that that's so profound and so beautiful, and I hope that every single person Here's that. I, I always say that the fastest route from where you are to where where you wanna be is through your own mind. And that's the realization I think for me that also changed everything. You know, it was When I started learning, like you mentioned there, about identity, right? The core of all change, the core of everything. When you start learning about that, it's almost like everything that you thought you knew about how you were going to get from point A to point B, like shifts. And it's like, whoa, there's like this world that, that, that so many people don't even know about. And that world that so many people don't know about, I think, is that power. Like you said, like this is in your control because it is your mind. I think that is really, really amazing. I think for people to hear that from a guy like you who runs the kind of business that you run, you know, you're not necessarily, I know you, you are obviously a mentor to so many people, but the business that you run is not a coaching business, right? It's not a life coaching business. It's not any of that. You're, literally in a corporate industry and you're still sitting here saying you know what even in that space your mind is the thing that's going to get you to that next level like that is where your evolution's at that is where your growth is at and and like you said before the person that you were back then the person that so many people are right now right if you're looking forward to that vision that you have even the person that you are now looking forward to the vision you have for 10 years in the future, like the person that you are now is not the person that is gonna go out and accomplish all of that. I think that is so yeah. amazing and so excellent.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Um so what would you say kind of some of the like day to day staples that you have in your life that that you will not go a day without doing I mean that's that's sort of a basic question and the reason I'm asking it is because I think that People hear a lot of this feel-good stuff, but backing that with actually things that they can start doing every single day is so freaking important to actually start taking that action that says you've made a decision. You know, so so what are the kind of, kind of some of those those like really important things to you?
1: Just like some of the habits and behaviors yeah. on a daily basis mm-hmm. that I do. You know, two things two things that come to mind. You know. I know there's a lot of people probably listening to this that feel like I do, where you got a lot of things going on in your life. And from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, it just feels like you're just out of of control some days. I mean, you know, my Monday yesterday felt like I started the day on the top of a glacier mountain and I pointed my snowboard down and I just rode that hill the entire day. And I know that you know, as you get older and as you take on more responsibility, we get busier. So there's two things that honestly, that I absolutely cannot live without. And that's my nighttime routine. And that's my morning routine. Mm-hmm. Sometimes throughout the day, things are going to happen where we have to react. Yeah. You know, I'd like to sit here and tell you that I'm hundred percent habit driven. Um, I don't have any emotions that play into my day. Everything goes in my calendar and I do everything in my calendar because I talk a lot about that. You could control your day to a certain extent, but there's always going to be things that get thrown at you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. If, if I don't pre-plan my day the night before, so what I do before I go to bed is I pull up my calendar and I, and I, and I just go through every single part of my day that from the time I'm going to wake up and I'm, and I'm, I'm half visualizing it, yeah. half looking at my calendar and I'm literally visualizing the drive time. And I'm sometimes I'm putting in the addresses between places that the doctors to my next client and I'm visualizing and I'm just going through it in my head and I'm thinking, okay, when am I going to get my meal? What am I going to eat? I'm going to, so I pack six, six little meals and I eat it throughout the day. My water intake and I'm walking through it. I'm walking through it and I feel good. I feel prepped and I shut it. And the second is the morning routine from the second I wake up. I mean, what I used to do, Courtney was I used to, I used to wake up, my alarm would go off. I'd hit snooze four, five, six times. I'd break the first three, four, five promises to myself. Yeah. And I'd lay there and I'd get on social media and I'd start scrolling through social media. And, you know, I don't know about you, I, I think it's scientifically proven in the morning our mind is, I mean, our mind is, uh, you know, weaker or the most
0: vulnerable state yeah
1: the moment you wake up Mm -hmm. right and I didn't you know I didn't I didn't I hadn't hadn't read a book on that that was just something that I'd experienced so I was going through social media and I'd start scrolling instantly be like wow I'm a I'm a pretty bad father compared to this guy and I'd scroll and be like wow I'm I'm actually pretty out of shape because everybody posts their highlights on social media not their lowlights so I'm looking at everybody's highlights while I'm still groggy, while I'm still, you know, I slept in now for probably half hour, so I'm not feeling great. Then I'm in the shower, and I'm starting to wash my hair thinking about all the things that aren't working, all the people that are letting me down, and all the reasons why I'm not winning, and all the excuses, and then Mm -hmm. traffic's slow, and I get to the office, and my face is all scrunched up, and I'm, you know, I'm just a little bit off. Yeah. And that doesn't happen anymore, Mm -hmm. because when I get up in the morning, I pre-plan the time I'm going to get up, I have a routine where I go downstairs, I pour myself an espresso, I read my goals. I go outside for a walk. If if I'm not feeling great, I'll just go for a little jog in the backyard with my dog. I'll get that fresh air. I'll come back in. I'll write in my gratitude journal and I'll be ready to start my day. And no matter what happens for the rest of the day, if I can control my morning and I can control my evening right before bed, Mm -hmm. it really helps me grow this muscle
0: yeah it does it puts it puts you in that position of authority you know that position that says there is there isn't you're in charge you know like Mm -hmm. you're you're not immediately waking up and putting yourself in that reactive state and what you were saying there that that morning that you were kind of walking us through Mm -hmm. that you used to have that is pretty much most people's regular morning you know like when you when you drag it out like that and talk about like that. It sounds like this, this big, like horrible negative morning ritual that like you fell into. But the reality is most people do that on a daily basis. Like for everyone listening to this, just before you assume you don't have such a such a negative morning ritual, look at what you're doing every single morning. Like take a look, how many times are you hitting snooze? Because every time you do that, like Steve was saying right there, you've broken that promise to yourself, right? You set that alarm because you were going to get up at that time. And I know that that, uh, what you were saying there, Ed Milet is a huge advocate of all of that. Of of not looking at your phone for the first like hour when you get up in the morning. It's getting out of bed the moment your alarm goes off because the moment that you keep that promise that you made to yourself, you've already built up your confidence for that day. You've already said, "I'm in charge here." I'm the authority of my life and that is why my day is going to go according to how it's going to go, you know, and you've, you've, you've started to prove that to yourself. Always say like saying these things to yourself is freaking fantastic, right? Tell yourself you're confident all you want, tell yourself you're going to do everything you said all you want, but you have to be proving it to yourself. And it's in the small actions like that, like the morning and evening routine, which I also think are so, so important to put you in that position of authority, right? I think that that's a really, really good one. So for everyone listening to this, literally from this evening, from tomorrow morning, set something in place that puts you in the position of authority that you want to be in in your life. Put yourself in charge with the way you're ending your day, with the way you're starting your day. Set that tone for how you want it to be because the reality is how you start that day in that vulnerable state of your mind is how the rest of your day is going to start panning out.
1: Yeah. And if I could just add to that too, for those people listening, you know, you don't have to start with doing everything that I just talked about,
0: mm. you know, you
1: because right now, you know, I think you brought up a good point, Courtney. I think right now, most people are doing nothing. Gosh. So anything is better than nothing. So just keep it simple to start before you go to bed, maybe just Think of three things you were grateful for that happened throughout the day and and walk yourself through the day. When you wake up in the morning, you know, focus on a few things you're grateful for and maybe reread your calendar and you know and not look at your phone for half hour. I mean, you don't have to be going for a morning jog or getting up at four a.m. to start. Right, yeah. Just start, just start small. Just anything is better than what most people are doing now.
0: Mm, yeah. Another thing I wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit about is I've noticed over your social media, you did that. I think it was seventy-five days. Um, yeah. like Nonstop. What was it called? So, something. Something to do with like you went seventy-five days like on this program without yeah. missing a day, and that really fascinated me because if if you know me well enough, those of you listening, you'll know that my link between pushing yourself physically to push yourself mentally is huge. I love it. I'm obsessed with it, and I think that's the exact reason you did that. So, talk to us a little bit about that and how that was.
1: Yeah, it was crazy. So, it was seventy-five hard. It's called and um, Andy Frisella. Um, if you follow Andy Frisella, you just Google Andy Frisella, 75 hard. There's a YouTube video on it and he launched his challenge. I've gotten to know Andy a little bit over the last year, him and his wife, Emily, he launched his challenge on Instagram and I watched his video, YouTube video. And you know, part of me saw it and was like, there's, there's no way there's no way. (laughs) Like I was already talking myself out of it, how, why I'm not going to do it. And then I got two text messages from my buddies going, we're going to do this or what? And I was like, I'm in. Uh-huh. Right. I'm in. And I'll tell you what it was. So it was two workouts per day. Yeah. One workout has to be outside.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and the other one, um, inside weight training, uh, the workouts cannot be back to back. You have to do that. So, so it's two workouts a day. You have to drink a gallon of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to ha- be on your diet, no cheat meals, and you have to take a progress pick and you have to read 10 pages of a book 75 days in a row.
0: Every day, every
1: single freaking day, you got to do it. And man, Andy was right. It like yeah, I I didn't have a lot of weight to lose, but I lost like eighteen pounds, bunch of body fat. Mm -hmm. But this was not a fitness challenge, Corby. This was a mental challenge.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And
1: you know, the first thirty days, okay, you know, it was you know, everyone's like, oh, it's so awesome, and you know, you kind of felt like everybody's kind of behind you, and Mm it's awesome, and you everybody's watching. Now, by day 50, nobody cares you're doing it anymore. Right. You're not even cool anymore. People are like,
0: you're <laughs> doing that thing? Right? Yeah, and then that's when you really start, like, I think, pushing yourself, putting yourself in those really uncomfortable positions, right?
1: It, it's, it's crazy. And I'll tell you, on day 65, I'm, I'm not sure if some of you might follow me on Instagram, but I, I had an ammonia. And I went to my doctor, and he's like, he goes, you need to go to the hospital. You, I think there's something really serious going in your lungs. I'm and like, I said, okay. So I went to the gym. I banged out a workout. I had to. I was ten days away. This was. I one love of the biggest- that.
0: That is absolutely brilliant. I love that. I think that must have, like, that must have done so much for for wow. that mental growth. Like, wow! Like on that day, like you still went. That those are the moments. I think those are the moments that really build that that capa- that belief that you're capable of so much more than you think you are. I think that's brilliant.
1: And you know what? I look back and I, I mean, I'm, I'm still alive, but I went to the, I, so it was worth it. Right. So I went to the hospital. I was in there for about three, four hours. They were going to keep me overnight because my chronic illness and I, and I hadn't done my walk yet. So I looked at the doctor and I said, doc, I, I have a chronic disease. Me being in the hospital with a low immune system is the last place that I need to be because I'll catch something else. And he goes, I'm listening. I said, why don't you send me home with these antibiotics? And so sent me home. I went for my 45 minute walk. Oh, it was weird. like midnight, I got home and uh, yeah, it took me three, four days, um, five days to to recover from the antibiotics and a couple more weeks after that. But I never missed the workout. And, you know, I I just, I I pushed myself to the point where, you know, I would have never pushed myself Mm -hmm. had I not been challenging myself.
0: Oh, that's so brilliant. Because it's like, it's almost like in those moments, you can hear the voice that kind of says, like fall fall into this comfort because you know what, this isn't even an excuse not to, this is a freaking justified reason based on your health not to. And then there's the voice that goes, but not a freaking chance am I letting down that commitment because I'm challenging myself like that. I think those moments are everything. And I think that people like you and me, people that are really driven, right? Just to conjure up a vision, like a lot of the people listening to this have that, that desire to be challenged is everything. So, For those of you listening, put yourself in those positions because let me tell you, people like us, we thrive in those positions where we are given the opportunity to challenge ourselves or not to challenge ourselves and we challenge ourselves, we are going to freaking win in those moments. That is where we start really believing what we're capable of and really beginning to see our potential to push ourselves beyond what it looks like we should be able to do. I think that's such such a great example of that. So well good. Said. Yes. So good. So you being in the game for as long as you've been in the game, you've uh, let's talk about failure a little bit because yeah. I think that's, that that's a big thing. Small failure, big failure, huge failure, tiny failure. I mean, like I'm sure you've had them and I mm-hmm. think that that's something that, you know, whether it's on a small scale or a large scale, that's going along the journey to any kind of entrepreneurship, it comes up. And it sucks sometimes. Yeah. So, so talk about that. What do you think that maybe some of your your bigger failures were, and what was the the shift that had to happen behind that? That your failures weren't weren't really you know bumps in your road, but rather ramps to propel you forward.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting you ask me that because I I had a similar conversation with a colleague about a week ago. We were t- we were looking back on these fourteen years. There's really, two, there's really two things that come to mind. The, the, first, the first failure, I would say, the first thing I failed at was early on when I was leading people and I was, and I was building my team and I was building relationships and organization, I led people the way I like to be led. Mm-hmm. I was a 23-year-old, single male, alpha male. By 25, I was already making $25,000 a month yeah. and I was aggressive. And I was—I like to be yelled at. I mean, I remember a meeting that I went into with my with my senior partner before I had my own agency, and I was gonna have a bunch of my teammates in that meeting. And I called them over and I said, "Hey, in this meeting, I want you to call me out in front of my team." He's like, "What do you mean?" I said, "I want you to call me out in front of my team for not doing enough activity." He's like, "You're you're my top guy." I said, "Just call me out." He's like, "All right." So he like he he like called me out and like was like, "You gotta work harder." And I was like, "Yeah, I gotta work harder." And then. My whole team quit. Weird, right? I mean, it's just—it's just one of those things where you know. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, why doesn't everybody want to win? And and it's not that everybody wanted to win. It's just that—it's that you know, everybody everybody needs to be led a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And I had to. I—that's when I was introduced to the six basic human needs. Yeah. uh, Tony Robbins talks a lot about uh, the need. Some people have a need for certainty. Some yes. uncertainty, some, you know, significance and recognition, which was me. Um, some people are love and connection. And then there's the growth and the contribution, which are the dominant needs. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was leading my, I was leading people in my life the way I like to be led. But, yes. you know, it was a huge blind spot of mine.
0: Sure. Gee was. And then kind yeah, of I mean, take take taking that one and, and turning it into something, how, what, what got you to the point where you started going, hang on, maybe this is not how I'm supposed to be, you know, running things for other people.
1: I just relate. I just, I just sat back and I, and I, and I looked at my goals and I looked at the life that I wanted to design. And I, and I realized that, man, you know, if, if I'm going to, if I, if I can't attract the right kinds of people, -hmm. To my organization, if I can't retain the right kinds of people around me, um, I'm never going to build the dream that I wanted. So I really, I really realized that moment, Courtney, is that I was unrelatable. Mm. People could not relate to me. I never talked about my health issues. I never talked about setbacks. I hated sympathy. Um, I was always like, move forward, like move forward, let's go. And I was like, talk about my, you know, I, I never, I never talked about my vulnerabilities. Mm. Yeah. And one of my mentors said, one of my mentors pulled me off stage one day and was like, dude you need to talk about your vulnerability, your story. I'm like, your real story, your health. I'm like, I don't want to. He goes, nobody can relate to you. Mm -hmm. So I became more vulnerable. I I let, I became a vulnerable leader and people could start to relate to me. And then I started attracting, you know, stay at home moms, um, and married couples. And, and I was, and I was getting, you know, people with kids were sticking around because I brought in the the family aspect and it was okay to talk about faith. And, um, so I, I had to evolve as a leader.
0: Sure. I think that's really, really good. It's like, you had to almost have that, that honest conversation with yourself that says, I'm not attracting the kinds of people that I need in order to build the life that I want. So something's got to shift, even though there wasn't something that was obviously like sticking out that you were doing wrong. You know, you were just showing up how you thought you were supposed to be showing up in order to win. Right. So it was, I think it, it must've been, you know, that, that, um, that real honesty and vulnerability with yourself. That said, it. it's it's time to to focus on connecting with those people. I think that that's that's really 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 good. Now, obviously, you're a massive advocate of um, mentorship, and I've I've noticed that as well, following you over the years and everything. So talk about the importance of that, because obviously you've had your experience, you've had your, your fair share of mentors and, and people that have influenced your life so positively. So why do you think that that is so important? I mean, I love it, but, but talk to everyone about, about why you think that that, is, that has been such a, such a massive part um, in your journey.
1: Mentorship for me has been important because, and I, and I referenced it a minute ago, we all have our, we all have blind spots. And sometimes, as a leader, especially here's the thing: the more successful and that i or the the more success that I had um in business uh success sometimes brings ego, like you know when you get as you see it in the fitness world, as you rise up in the fitness ranks, sometimes some of those people have egos as they get as they, as they grow and as they get more success mm-hmm. and for me, what a mentor is is simple i mean. I'm not going to solve my problems with the same level of thinking I had when I got into them. I need a new level of thinking to get out of my current problem. And most people, they get into their situation, their problem and they're mentoring themselves. Right. They're okay. coaching themselves. And it's like, I coached myself into this problem. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to need to coach me out. Yeah. And that mentor there is there to, to, to let me swim, but not let me drown yeah. and to call me on my crap. Mm-hmm. And and not just be nice and say steve you're so amazing but to be kind and say steve you're a great communicator but mm-hmm. if you don't check this out you're not going to make you're not going to move forward so that the mentor for me is just kind of like a second set of eyes keeps me on the rails
0: it's it's like it's like a shortcut right like that that's kind of how i i found it it was like the moment that you know it's i, I think i had that that quality as well that Maybe part of me did, you know, I did start to de- develop a little bit bit of, of ego around. Okay, I kind of. I, things are happening for me now. Maybe I know what I'm talking about, right? Maybe I know what I'm talking about. And then it's like you get a mentor and and you just get propelled like so much faster because like you said, you coach yourself into the situations that you're in. You need someone, if you want to get there faster, right? Get there younger, get to the bigger goal. You kind of need someone that has that bird's eye view that says, but hang on, like, are you looking at this? Because like you said, it is, it's that blind spot. And we have so many more blind spots than I think yeah. that we realize. And we don't know how to do something until we've done the thing. Right. And yeah. so these people who have done the thing, they know how to do what we're trying to do. And if it's all about this evolution of our mind, it's all about becoming that next version of ourselves. It's all about that identity shift. They are the people that are going to get us there faster. I think that, that was, that shift, my first mentor, absolutely, Changed my life and I think that it was. it seems like it was pretty much the same for you it, it gave you that that taste of a whole different way of going about it, which I think is is important and really really awesome So Before I ask you my last question just tell everyone where they can find you um, Social media websites all that kind of thing
1: Yeah, so I have a website. It's s it's where I put my, every two weeks, I, I post a blog post. I also have a podcast, Momentum Monday. You can yes. find it on iTunes, uh, Spotify, all the major podcast okay. platforms. I'll put
0: the links for those in the show notes so that yeah. everyone can, can reach those easily.
1: Yeah. And then if you want to connect with me on Instagram, my Instagram handle is out Holbrook's World. You can you know, send me a DM. If you have any questions, I'll, uh, I'll get back to you surely but that's where you can find me. I appreciate that. And I don't really, I have my blog linked to YouTube. I don't really post much on YouTube right now. I'm just mainly focused on growing Instagram and my podcast. So
0: Okay. Brilliant. Okay. So then the last question, not to uh, put you on the spot, but if you were to give someone one piece of advice, one tool, one skill, one thing that you credit most of your success to that you think is the most important skill to master, the most important thing that sets you apart or sets one apart from the rest? What would it be?
1: First thing that comes to mind vision, Mm -hmm. you need to get crystal clear, absolutely crystal clear Mm -hmm. on where you're going. Mm -hmm. If you don't know exactly where you're going, It's going to take way longer than you ever expect to get there, and it's never going to happen the way you want to happen the way the way you want it to happen. Mm -hmm. Look, when you build a house, everything is pre-planned. The blueprint, you have the architect. Everything, every single part of that house is pre-planned, right down to the the color of the light, like what kind of light bulbs you're going to have. Mm -hmm. The problem, Courtney, that I see, people don't know exactly. What they want, so they start building this life, this, th- this, this house, so to speak, and they condemn it two months in, three months in, because it's not this beautiful, pristine end result. If you don't know exactly where you're going, you guys, um, and you don't keep that fire hot, you don't keep those logs on the fire of the vision. I always tell my team, when the fire dies down, the predators set in. Yes. And the fire for me is what what I'm after, what I'm chasing, what it's going to look like, how I'm going to feel when I get there, and I yeah. I have to spend at least 15 minutes every day on where I'm going and what it's going to look like.
0: Yeah, I love that. That is so freaking important because, like, if we're making decisions every second of every day, yeah. and every decision that we make is either a step towards or a step away from where we're going, and we don't even know where we're going, then. We're, we're literally living by default every minute of every day. I think that is so freaking important. That is so excellent. So everyone listening to this, like take that one in, like you might have the goals and you might have the ambition and all that fun stuff, but do you really know what you wanted to look like? Do you really know what you wanted to feel like? Because that vision, that crystal clear vision is that foundation for everything. It's plugging that in. And like Steve said, they're throwing the rocks on the, throwing the, the what did you say? <laughs> throwing the gas on the fire every single minute of every single day, yeah. you know, feeding that vision every minute of every single day so that every decision that you make, every thought that you engage in, every action that you follow can be feeding the life that you're trying to create rather than then pushing you away from it. I think that, that is absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, thank you so much for coming on and for taking your time. I mean, it's great. been so awesome talking to you. I think you yeah. have given us all some pearls, that's for sure. So I really, really do appreciate it. It's been awesome chatting to you.
1: Yeah, it's been cool to finally get to actually talk to you. I feel like I know you. It's weird. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it But it's nice to finally actually have a proper conversation with you and everything. That's great. Thank you so much for your time and everything.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that.